Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989 HeritageDigital.com Rock and roll! It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Happy Monday, everyone. November 22nd, Thanksgiving week. Hope y'all are doing well. <clears throat> Big win for South Carolina this past weekend. Goes without saying. And uh, hats off to Shane Beamer. Six wins in his first year. Uh, however improbable it seemed uh, there for a while uh, is a heck of a season. Uh, you know, you look at it. Uh, I think every program in the country has minimum baseline standards. And, and we see that when the coaching carousel starts to spin every year. You know, some places certain years are good enough. Some places certain years are not. South Carolina, I think when you look at, you know, since the program sort of flipped, and, and I always go back to this at 2000, you know, Lou Holtz's first good team, uh, Outback Bowl teams. If you look at the history of the program since then, most years, now it hadn't been that way the last couple of years, obviously. You know, you got the three and nine in there from 2015 and all that, but South Carolina – you know, normally a good average average season for this program has been six, seven wins in a bowl. Um, and I think with a first-year head coach, that's something you can build on. Does that mean, you know, recruiting is going to all of a sudden take off because they're going to the Birmingham Bowl or Charlotte Bowl or, or wherever, Music City? No. Uh, but I think with all these coaching changes, there's going to be an opportunity for the Gamecocks to pick off some players. I've got some mailbag questions about that and – you know, I also think that, boy, <laughs> this Saturday uh, could really, really up the ante a bit in terms of the trajectory of this program. I, I don't want to overstate it because I think Clemson is hitting its stride as a football team right now. Uh, I think they've played much better, almost quietly in a way. Uh, I, You know, Wake Forest, obviously Wake Forest had no answer for the Tigers defensively. Uh, with their defense, and then Clemson obviously dominated with their defense in that one. Wake Forest just could not run the football. It's tough to run the ball against the Tigers. So, and Clemson did run it. You know, Kobe Pryor or Kobe Pace, I guess that's what he's going by now. Will Shipley, they all 
dominated the line of scrimmage, and that's a Clemson deep offensive line that hadn't always opened holes this year, and it's going to be important for the Gamecocks to close those holes Saturday night. But So I don't want to overstate it because, look, Clemson's a 14-point favorite coming in Saturday night. Auburn was a favorite too. Gators were a 20-point favorite. But uh, it's going to take another really good game uh, by South Carolina and probably some uh, unexpected heroes to show up for that one. So I don't, I don't want to, like, say, okay, well, now Beamer's got to go beat Clemson or else everybody's going to be disappointed. Obviously, we're the head coach at the University of South Carolina. That's a game you want to win every single year. But you also want to beat Florida every single year. You want to beat Auburn when you have a chance. My goodness, two in a row now against the Auburn Tigers. Uh, and with all the storylines heading into that game, uh, that's a big win. And, and I, I can tell you, the coaching staff's kind of been looking forward to playing these guys uh, since all that happened with Bobo or whatever this past season. And, you know, credit the Gamecocks for getting up off the mat. I mean, it's tough. You're down two touchdowns at home uh, early. Auburn's sort of running the ball at will. Uh, the offense is not going very far. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, good things start to happen. And you capitalize on the momentum. You know, I, I, I've i got some questions in here about the future of the OC. I have some thoughts on that. Uh, you know, what to think right now. I'm, you know, with one game left and as big of a game as it is, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wave the need for immediate change banner, but uh, I've got some thoughts. Uh, you know, nice play call. Like, really happy for Trey Jones. He was named SEC Freshman of the Week. Um, catching that touchdown, Jovan Gwynn, I think it's SEC Offensive Player of the Week or Offensive Lineman of the Week. Um, Jovan struggled this year in a lot of ways, but he he really got after it uh, on Saturday night, and they're going to need him this Saturday night. Uh, you know, heading into this Auburn game, uh, I did feel like, you know, uh, going as the week went on last week, I, I sort of started really, you know, and, and I mentioned this. I mentioned it on JB and Goldwater and here on this one uh, as well. And, and even I think in, on 107.5, the game, thanks to Bill Gunner for having me on early on Friday morning. You know, when we look, we look at things, you know, I cover the Gamecocks more than any other school. I don't really – do as much with other programs as I used to. I have the J.C. Morgan podcast. I, I could talk intelligently about it, but, you know, I, I'm like you guys. I sort of have the Gamecock hood on and the blinders on, and, and you know, you sit there and look at it, and you're like, my goodness, here comes Tank Bigsby. We all know who Tank Bigsby was. He had a good game against Carolina last year. He was a recruit that very closely nearly was a South Carolina Gamecock. Uh, you know, here comes Mike Bobo, familiar with the personnel, you know, Uh Early on, you know, I think a lot of Gamecock fans were kind of hoping that he would have stayed, uh, left in a in a manner that uh, a lot of fans were, were butthurt about. I, I'll tell you, I wasn't uh, as butthurt about it uh, as maybe some fans, but, you know, I didn't buy into the conspiracy theories about Mike Bobo and Ryan Holinsky and those things last year either. But still, you know, th th that's something that, programs could take a little pride in you know you, you, you you're a guy that basically says all right i'm gonna go here instead of staying here because it's a better situation regardless of the money you want to beat that team it makes a statement think about how many recruits south carolina goes up against auburn for over the years how many of those battles has auburn won a lot so so beating auburn is not a bad thing at all and i know none of you think that i'm just uh I'm just saying that that's a big win especially beating them two in a row because you know, you think back to October 1st, 2011, 
And Auburn comes to town defending national champs. They're not as good as they were. Uh, and they beat the Gamecocks 16-13. I think Michael Dwyer had 41 carries in that one. Gamecocks could not get the run game going. Garcia had a bad, bad game. And they end up losing. I think there's a controversial call, too, at the end or whatever. 16-13 on CBS wearing the uh, Under Armour battle uniforms. I think I remember that correctly. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe that, was that the game that they they were going to wear them and didn't? Uh, I don't know. They're supposed to. So, anyway, that game, you know, the 42-35 game, obviously South Carolina has one SEC championship appearance and got destroyed by Cam Newton and Auburn. A laundry list of recruits uh, outside of the state of South Carolina have picked Auburn over the Gamecocks. Uh, you know, that it, it, Auburn's been a problem, you know, for South Carolina. Uh, and now all of a sudden South Carolina's a problem for Auburn because they won two in a row. Uh, and their fans are not happy. And I like their fans. I like Auburn fans. It's kind of, I'm kind of one of those crazy people in the Alabama-Iron Bowl rivalry. I have a lot of great friends on both sides. Uh during my life, I've maybe leaned more towards Bama than Auburn, but I like Auburn. I mean, I like their, I like their fans are good people, and you know their traditions and, and all that good stuff. Um, after giving up two touchdowns, Gamecock defense battled, held them to a field goal, uh, and, and that was enough. And then the call there at the end—I mean, I we were all sitting there, didn't was really surprised they overturned it, uh, but. If you look closely, it 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 does look like it grazed the the, the uniform. I think so. Uh, we'll say that. But uh, look, man, it, it's cool. I mean, you know, you. I'll take it that way rather than sweating out Auburn getting inside the ten and firing it at the end zone, trying to win the game late. Game crash just ran it out. I mean, Jason Brown. What can you say about this guy? You know, tough game for him at Missouri. Some turnovers and stuff. Uh, you know, 10 for 15, it was a very light load in the passing game. But he met, hooked up with Josh Van for some big ones, three touchdown passes. You know, and obviously, that's not a trend I'm fired up about, all these touchdown passes in the red zone. But anyway, you can score, I'll take it, right? Uh, and they won the football game. And the crowd was great. Uh, I've seen some videos of the crowd. Uh there are still Clemson tickets available. I got an email from the university today, the ticket office said, buy your Clemson tickets now. So folks, there's a chance to go out and make an even bigger statement this weekend. Uh, Cause there'll be a whole lot more orange in the stands uh, than Auburn brought. Although Auburn brought a pretty decent crowd uh, for that football game. So uh, that's kind of my wrap on the Auburn thing. I, you know, there's a lot of people that deserve a lot. Of, I, I think I'd, Maybe I need to mention Zaquandre White here. I've, I've mentioned it three or four times on the message board and stuff like that, but I'll mention it here. You know, what a story for this guy. You know, now he's evolved into probably the MVP of the offense. He can catch passes. He can run the ball. Uh, like my friend Tony Morrell says on the site, he runs every play like it's his last. His vision has improved. He's making people miss. That's important. And when he's on the on a roll, that helps Kevin Harris because Kevin's a different type of back, downhill guy. And Kevin had some good runs, 13 carries, 63 yards. That's kind of on the plus side of his performances this year. You know, there's been a lot of like 16 for 40s with him. So, heck, you know, Harris and White, that's, that's a good duo. Uh, they ran duo, the play, a gap play, according to Ben Briner on our site, and they ran a counter, and it seemed to work. Seem to work, you know. I, I know this weekend, we're going to get into that here in a second. I, I don't know, you know, it did work against Auburn 
and the Auburn defense. So, you know, Game Pass are going bowling. I don't know where. Brad Crawford from 24-7 Sports projected North Carolina, South Carolina, and the Dukes Mayonnaise Bowl in Charlotte. Boy, that would be a big opportunity, wouldn't it, for the Gamecocks to go play the Tar Heels in Charlotte. But I don't know how it's all going to work out. I mean, these bowl games, you can project all you want. The projections are rarely right. You know, I've seen Gasparilla Bowl, Birmingham Bowl, Liberty Bowl, Mayonnaise Bowl, you know, whatever. You know, and and I think for the Charlotte Bowl, you know, depending on what I, when when South Carolina beats Clemson, you know, there's usually a good crowd follows them to the bowl. Even in 2018, when they played Clemson well on offense, uh, Gamecock sold all their tickets for the Belk Bowl in Virginia. That, that's now the Mayonnaise Bowl, by the way, in Charlotte. So. Uh, I think it would probably take an opponent like a North Carolina or North Carolina State, somebody like that, uh, in that bowl game for Gamecock fans to go. I don't, I don't know if you want to play Wake Forest, but I don't think Wake's going to fall that far down the pecking order in the ACC bowl deal. Um, so that's a good projection. You know, I've seen Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. That'd be an interesting game. Um, you know, hey, just look, man, they're going to a bowl. That's uh, that's that's kind of what the you know, the hope was this year and and they made it and congrats. People are talking about Shane Beamer, SEC coach of the year. Um, I'm fine with that. I do have some things to say about that. I think that um, if Shane wins it, great. You know, I'm all for that. You're not going to find uh, somebody that's not going to be in favor of that here. Uh, but I also think it's a little, I don't know, you know, it, 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 it's not, when you watch South Carolina play, and again, they simplified the offense. Again, when it's simple and the line can go block and play, and you know when they're not out trying to outsmart themselves on offense, South Carolina has good players. You know, I, I think it reverts when the Gamecocks are able to do what they did Saturday night against Florida and in some of these games. It reverts back to kind of what we expected. Well, this team, when it gets the ground game going, this offense can be pretty good. And they don't have to rely on chunking it all over the yard, which, you know, look, all credit to Justin Stepp. I mean, e- even a guy like EJ Jenkins, who's not getting a lot of catches or targets right now, he's out there blocking his ass off on the perimeter, helping the run game go. Uh, you know, Josh Van's playing well, and Xavier Leggett made another crazy good play. You know, he makes some good ones. Joyner had his moments. Uh, you know, but this receiving core is not set up to go five wide, chuck it all over the yard. I mean, that's it, just reality right now. Um, for a while there, I thought maybe they would just be better off doing that since that's what it seemed like they wanted to do anyway. But, uh, you know, when you watch this team, when they get the ground game going, this is what this offense should have been. It's not an explosive unit. It's not a score half a hundred unit every game. It's a. It's not a unit that's set up to win games 52-31, uh, set up to kind of win games 21-17. Uh, and, and that's exactly what Carolina did on Saturday night. All right, moving forward, thanks to Heritage Digital, obviously, as always, when it comes to the news and notes section. By the way, uh, I don't know that this matters because it's not a live broadcast, but going to give you a little live broadcast. All right, end of the third quarter, Gamecocks women's basketball team, they're playing UConn down there in the Battle for Atlantis and the Bahamas. Atlantis is a place I've got on my list of places to go. It looks really cool. Uh, but the Gamecocks up at the end of the third quarter, 
Uh, and that's that for right now. Gamecocks look like Aaliyah Boston, 18, Cook, 17. Paige Bookers for UConn is 19. But I'll I'll give you – I'll pass along the final score here in a second. But that's the news and notes segment. Thanks to Heritage Digital. And thanks to Cindy, Cindy Searfoss, realtor from Colwell Banker Kane. Uh, Daniel Morgan Avenue in Spartanburg, South Carolina, 864-414-5271. Cindy's married to a diehard Gamecock fan. Been in the upstate 35 years. She can help you with all of your real estate needs. Spartanburg, Greenville, Cherokee, Union. Get, uh, I almost said Gaffney. That's in Cherokee County, JC. Uh, Anderson, Oconee, Pickens, Greenwood, Union, wherever. Okay, wherever you want in the upstate to do real estate, City Searfoss is the person for you. 864-414-5271. 864-414-5271. That's her cell. Or email her, csearfoss at cbcane.com, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. And I'll tell you this, you know, that's a Burns Rebels family. So those of you that know me, I know I'm a Burns guy. Uh, Some of you went to Burns with me. Uh, Hit hit Cindy up. uh, Be sure to tell her JC sent you uh, for all your real estate needs. So analysis you know, and then let's put the Auburn game to bed, right? Because I always say this about the Clemson game. It's the biggest weekend of the year. I've said that since I was in college, my friends. We, we kind of do it tongue-in-cheek. It's the biggest weekend of the year. Uh, in the state of South Carolina, you, you always want to win that football game. They want to win it, too. They have not had a year that's maybe up to their minimum standards, but they could get there because, you know, they beat – beating Carolina does not really – move the needle, I don't think, in terms of their bowl. Maybe it does sneak them into a New Year's Six. Uh, but if NC State loses North Carolina and Boston College beats Wake Forest, they go back to the ACC championship game. You know, so they still have a shot. I mean, I think for the – how many years in a row has it been? 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, so one, two, three, seven, eighth year in a row, Clemson's won 10 or more. That's a streak. Uh, of course, they have the six-game streak against the Gamecocks. They've won six straight ACC titles. You know, there's a lot out there for this Clemson football team. And I think as I've watched them this year, they've gotten better. There have been games where they've looked kind of dead in the water like Louisville, and they've come back and won. DJ Ungulalai, I think that's how you say it. I'm just going to call him DJ for the purposes of this podcast. Um, you know, he's he's banged up. He's not accurate. Uh, he's uh, a kid that's gotten more confidence, I think, as the season's gone on. Um, and I think the Gamecocks have to make sure he doesn't get confident. Uh, and, and I think the way you do that is you force him into throwing situations. And that means you've got to stop Kobe Pace and Will Shipley from just gashing you up front. Now the Gamecocks have not been super-duper against the run this season. 164 yards from Tank Bigsby. I'll show you that. But I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I think Carolina, and I can't believe, you know, I don't know that I would have always said this. I think, I think Carolina actually has a pretty good advantage with their D-line versus Clemson's offensive line in the game. Clemson's offensive line has gotten better. Don't get me wrong. Don't think that they're awful because they're not. Uh, but they – you know, they have not faced a D-line like this maybe since Georgia. Maybe since Georgia. Um, on the other side, I don't know that South Carolina's faced a defense like Clemson's 
since they played Georgia. Uh, I think it's debatable with A&M, you know, if you're looking for the, what's the second best defense the Gamecocks have played against. Uh, but they've got players, and they, as we all know, from watching Brent Venables call defenses during this run for them, they, they're going to try to light you up. I mean, they're going to try to send pressure, confuse your front. Uh, Gamecocks probably will have to attack the perimeter. I don't know that they can go straight up the middle on these guys. Maybe they can. I, I, I doubt it. You know, Jason Brown's going to have to make throws. Uh, that's the whole key for this football game. Uh, and then on the other side, you just you absolutely cannot let Clemson run the football. I mean, absolutely cannot. And if they do, then it could be a long night for the Gamecocks. But um, if they do break a couple here and there, I think it's still important that you battle every down and you get them on third and seven or longer. Because you do that, they tend to stall. Now, against Wake, they just whipped them. I mean, and Wake, I don't know that Wake is a defensive juggernaut. Now, one one other piece of good news for South Carolina Clemson will turn it over. I mean, they had three against Way. I mean, they, they'll turn the ball over. That's been kind of one of their bugaboos this season. And, of course, the Gamecocks are pretty good at forcing turnovers so or getting turnovers, however you want to put it. So, you know, that that's the case of heading into this game. Clemson's a 14-point favorite. Like I said, I don't know if that's changed in a while. But uh, that's the deal uh, with this game. And we're going to talk a lot more about Clemson uh, as the week goes on, I uh, gave you kind of my Auburn take. Let, let's talk about this, though, a little bit of analysis, right? Big picture, guys. All right, so first-year head coaches dating back to Joe Morrison. Uh, you know, and, and Joe Moe was probably kind of the first coach I followed. So I've, I'll go back to him because Richard Bell was only there one year and Dietzel was back in the mid-'70s. And so, you know, l- let's go with Joe Moe. Uh, first year, 1983, won five. He did have a big win over Southern Cal, and that kind of set the table for 84. Sparky Woods won six his first year. He was six, four, and one. They turned down a bowl. Brad Scott got to a bowl his first year. He won six in the regular season, including a big win over Clemson, uh, and then won the CarQuest Bowl. Lou Holtz won zero. <laughs> that, Holt, Holtz is kind of the outlier here when you really start to look at it because – you know, five of the last six head coaches Carolina's hired, they've been bowl eligible in their first year. Of course, Sparky turned one down. Spurrier won seven, went to Independence Bowl. Muschamp won six, went to the Birmingham Bowl. And Beamer's now won six. The bowl was two to be determined. So, you know, Shane Beamer has had sort of your normal first year at South Carolina. Um, That does not mean much because – you know, second year, Holtz won 11 more, eight more. Spurrier won eight. Muschamp won nine. Brad Scott won four. Sparky won six again. Joe Moe won 10. So there's a lot of second years that have actually been really, really good. You know, Holtz was, you know, like I said, an eight win. Spurrier got to eight. Muschamp got to nine. You know, Scott. That 95 team couldn't play defense, obviously. Sparky stayed at six. Yomo got to 10. So there have been some significant improvements in year two, uh, but then also sometimes where it's, it's kind of fallen back. And, and with the portal and all this other stuff out there, man, I, I don't know what to think. Uh, I'll start worrying about next year, next year. But, um, you know, heck, I, I think as long as the Quandre White uh, in these last two games continues to be able to break adventure runs, 
And I, I saw that because it's an event because he'll like I say adventure not because anything crazy happens, but he'll like find. You know, the play may start out to the right, but then Zaquandre will find space and go in the middle and maybe break it off to this side. That's a vision. Vision is very important with a running back. And, you know, most of the time with, with backs, you know, sometimes they've got it, sometimes they don't. And you usually know that soon, but he's improved that part of his game. Maybe it's always been there and he's just comfortable now. But, uh, heck, 99 yards and another 60 receiving. Wow. You know, what a what a performance by him. Uh, against Auburn, he's going to be key moving forward the last two games of the year, and maybe next year too, uh, depending on who gets to come back and, and is intact and all that good stuff. You know, I uh, I got another little note here about Clemson and the defenses they've played, but I'll, I'll save that for later in the week. But, boy, you know, what a victory. Uh, by the way, Gamecock women's basketball, they're up seven on UConn, six minutes to go in the fourth. So, Dawn Staley – I mean, she's not had a lot of success against Geno, and I think they play this year too. At least this will be the like one of two times they play. But uh, I think it's a regular season game. If I'm mistaken by that, don't uh, don't worry about it. But uh, you know, Gamecocks look uh, look to be in pretty good shape right now with that basketball game. Uh, men return to action tomorrow against Wofford. Uh, pretty good basketball team. Wofford is and another chance for this young team with uh, Frank Martin as the coach and a lot of new faces to, to get another win that could end up being quality could be quality. So we'll see, by the way, sports book betting AG, I'm going to shift topics here for a second. You know how they put out these, uh, these odds. Okay. So next coach to get fired two to one odds. It's Manny Diaz from Miami. Three to one, Steve Sarkeesian from Texas. Boy, look, man, if I'm Texas, I'm just sticking with it. I, you know, you can't, dude, you, you can't, you can't start just firing coaches. I mean, if, if you're Texas right and left, I mean, it's obvious no matter who goes there that, uh, you know, there's issues. There's issues with toughness. There's issues on defense. There's issues. The same issues Tom Herman had. Same issues Charlie Strong had. Same issues Mac Brown had at the end of his tenure. <laughs> you know, so Sark second, Jeff Collins from Georgia Tech's third. You know, all this uh, worry Gamecock Nation had about Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech. Oh, man, they're going to recruit, and they have. But that wasn't a three-, four-year deal. That I, I thought whoever took over Georgia Tech – was going to need five years. They're three and seven again. I think maybe three and eight. They got blitzed by Notre Dame this past weekend too. It wasn't wasn't all that. Um, you know, then it goes on. Scott Frost. I think he's. They've already said he's safe. Maybe not. Jeff Scott from USF. Uh, that's another one. They they need to give him time. Um, I know some of you wouldn't be sad if he got fired, but uh, they need to give him time. Dino Babers, David Shaw, blah, 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 blah. Next Gators head coach. This is interesting. Billy Napier is at the top of the list. Napier was at the top of the odds, I think, when Carolina had an opening last year. Kiffin, Cristobal, Bob Stoops, James Franklin, Mark Stoops, Luke Fickle, all nine to one or better uh, for the Gators head coaching job. That's important because that's an SEC East team. Uh, and if Mark Stoops takes it and leaves Kentucky, you know, that's going to be interesting too. It's going to be really, really interesting. Mario Cristobal to Florida would be 
that would be who I would hire if I were them, if he wanted them. Cause that guy's a recruiting monster. I mean, he's not, uh, he's recruiting great at, uh, at Oregon. Um, you know, they've had some losses that were unfortunate, especially that loss to Utah. Jesus over the weekend, but, uh, you know, that still Ohio state win this year. He, he gosh, he got probably top eight of the top 10 out of Los Angeles a couple of years ago. He can recruit. That's the guy Florida should probably go higher, but will they? Will Bob Stoops come out of retirement to lead the Gators? This is probably his last shot at this job. You know, James Franklin at this point, I think would crawl on his belly through glass to take Florida, but man, he's Penn State's kind of fallen back this year. I mentioned Mark Stoops, Luke Fickle, you know, those kind of jobs. Florida, if, if you get the right guy, it's a it's a good job, but unfortunately for them, you know, they, they sort of – they have a quick trigger. You know, um, there was a lot of talk when they got rid of Muschamp and hired McElwain and, and Muschamp won six and then won nine that maybe they should have stuck with, with Will another year. You know, McElwain's there two years. He wins two divisions. And then the next year, things aren't going stellar. And so, uh, you know, there's the made-up death threats. <laughs> which is weird, and then he's out. And then Mullen, third choice for the job, comes in, wins a bunch of games. Got got them kind of on solid footing until this season. And rubbed some people the wrong way. Everybody always kind of wondered, you know, why Dan Mullen did not get a lot of opportunity until 2017 when he was at Mississippi State. And then it was going to be Tennessee or Florida. And uh, he got Florida. And, you know, he's out. I mean, he wore a Darth Vader costume to a post-game press conference. People didn't like it. So, I don't know. <laughs> Tennis shoes, Danny kicks. Uh, but it's more about what happened on the field. And, you know, that, that that's funny because you go back, if we remember correctly, um, Matt Luke got fired at Ole Miss, I think, after that, what was it, the peeing on the, the dog peeing thing, <laughs> and they lost the game. Uh, to Mississippi State. And then, and then Moorhead got fired after that, which was weird. Uh, that shoe-throwing game with Dan Mullen, gosh, beginning of the end. Beginning of the end. In the NFL, first coach to be fired, two to three odds, Matt Nagy from the Chicago Bears. Can't say I disagree with that. Urban Meyer is second on that one. Pete Carroll's on that list. Nah, I don't know about Pete. I don't know about Pete. What if Pete took Florida? Hmm. That'd be an interesting job, wouldn't it? Pete Carroll, Florida Gators football coach. I don't I don't think it's gonna be Pete Carroll. But anyway, uh, just an interesting little email or to pass along there during the analysis segment. Now, obviously, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. The uh I help consulting mailbag. And we got a lot of those, obviously. I uh, just wanted to um Say that I've told you how Daniel Owens with iHelp Consulting can save your business money, credit card processing, insurance, telecom, without sacrificing quality, but you may be wondering how it works. It's simple. You call or text Daniel, 843-372-5713. Set up a quick phone call, face-to-face meeting. Daniel's going to break it all down for you. Where are their savings? Are you paying junk fees? Are your rates too high? All the stuff, the money going out the door. He's going to check all that out and you know, then you may be saying, well, I'm glad he could help me save money. He did save this 
company 50 grand a year, another one 48 grand a year. These are actual things that have happened. So you may be thinking, well, if, I, if he saves me 50, he's going to charge me 55. No, 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 no. It's not how they do business. You only pay a percentage of your first year savings. So that's it. And not only that, if they can't save you money, you don't owe them a dime. So call or text Daniel right now, 843-372-5713. Give him a shot. You're not going to be sorry if you do that. I Help Consulting, how can I help you? Proud sponsor of not only the Inside the Gamecocks podcast and the I Help Consulting mailbag, but also the JB and Goldwater show. And so uh, we really appreciate Daniel and, and I Help Consulting. I know I do personally with everything I've got going on. You know, uh, they, it seems like I Help Consulting's right there with me. All right, so this came in. Uh, looks like it's during the game, six seventeen. Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and answer this. We have 19 offensive linemen in that room. We can't five, find five that can man up and block someone one on one. Simplification, brother. That's 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 the key to the offensive line. Just uh, it kind of warmed my heart to hear Beamer say that they only ran two plays over and over, and they actually kind of did. So. Uh, there we go. Uh, Gamecock Pastor says, J.C., is size the main reason? Carolina had an offer, Greg Collegiate, Kazarius Adams, K.Z. Adams, a walking stat stuffer. Just guess he's too small to get a big-time offer. That's that's the deal on him. You know, honestly, I would probably – I just don't know that he's a running back, you know, if, if he's at Carolina's level. You know, maybe he's a slot guy or something. Can he catch? That that becomes another question. Uh, but I, I certainly, if South Carolina ended up offering him, I don't, I don't think there's a problem. I think he's a hell of a player. His film is so good, really good. So uh, I uh, I have nothing but good things to say about KZ Adams uh, from Gray Collegiate. Uh, Gamecock fan says, hey, how about Zaquandre White tonight? came in during the game. Manny plays hard. Lots of respect for that. Yeah, and the harder you play, the more good things happen. So, you know, I've talked about his vision. I've talked about his adventure runs, and I like I like that term, adventure runs. Uh, and I just think that, um, you know, I, I think he's coming into his own, and there's not a more deserving player. I've mentioned how he could have given up many, many times. You know, oh, they moved me to linebacker at Florida State. Oh, well, I got to go Iowa Western, which is Western Iowa. I can tell you right now, not much there. Uh, South Carolina, oh, I got in late and couldn't crack the two deep and blah, blah, blah. You know, and then they moved me to safety. He didn't complain. And he just worked that much harder. And I think having guys like Marshawn Lloyd, Kevin Harris, Juju McDowell in that, that room too, has, they've pushed him, you know. Uh, and they've all pushed each other, and I think that's what's important. By the way, Gamecocks up 71-57 on the UConn Huskies with a minute for 50 to go. Congratulations. I'm not going to say it yet. You never know. <laughs> in basketball, that could be an eternity sometimes, but uh, Gamecock women really pulling away and beating Geno and the Huskies. So never – Never really sad to see the UConn women lose, just to be honest. And it's probably because they're like a dynasty and good. I don't have – oh, they have too many problems with them, but I'm like, yeah, that's just pretty good. Gamecock Pastor. JC, where does Beamer stand in the race for SEC Coach of the Year? Got to think he's in the conversation. 
for taking this team to a bowl. If we get magic again next week, it's far beyond the expectations of most, most people this year. Yeah. And look, man, I, I don't think I, I don't think I would have predicted in the preseason Carolina would have beaten Florida and Auburn if they beat Clemson. You know, I I, uh, I would not have predicted that, <laughs> uh, but I probably would have told you that I thought they had a shot to beat Kentucky early, and I, I would have told you that, especially by the time that game happened. And of course, Missouri won this weekend. They got Dan Mullen fired. They're going to a bowl too. Eli Drinkwitz with the Darth Vader post game thing was kind of funny. Um, I just wish Carolina would have won this. You know, the, the other ones, you know, Tennessee early on, I felt like, you know, roster wise, and I still think the Gamecocks roster wise are right there with Tennessee, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, after watching them early, especially against Florida, I, I didn't know their offense was going to start clicking. And it did against Mizzou and it kept on clicking and it still is. They put 60 on uh, South Alabama this weekend, South Alabama without Jake Bentley, but uh, still 60 to 14. Um, all right, Gamecocks win. 73-57 over UConn, number one, Carolina, 73. Number two, UConn, 57. So this this is going to be this women's basketball team. And I know some of you are very passionate fans. I think some of you don't really care um, about women's basketball, and that's fine. I, you know, I, I don't follow it as much as the men, but you know, teams like this, when you look at men's and women's both, you know, you go and you start getting what thirty and 0, 31 and oh, something like that. Ugh, games start getting more nervous. Not that I was pulling for a loss, folks. Not that I was pulling for a loss, but however, I, uh, I you know, it's one of those things. This team is really, really freaking good. Really, really freaking good. Again, seventy three fifty seven is the final. University of South Carolina over the Yukon Huskies in the battle for Atlantis down in the Bahamas. So really nice win for the Gamecocks, in my opinion, over Gino and those guys. Um, good win. Gino, all right, Brad Crawford had a tweet. Gino RM has not lost a game by more than 11 since 2010. So – Way to go, Don Staley. Way to go. All right, so one more. T-Rap. That's what I'm going to call you, T-Rap. Uh, tweets in. JC, I'd love to hear your riff on this. Though Auburn win was awesome, but didn't move the needle for me as it relates to the OC. It proved again that the talent for a competent offense was already on the team. Not sure if it was a compelling case against moving on from sack. I want to refrain from – a lot of talk about this this week because I, I just don't just don't uh, you know I, they got a game to play right and uh, I'm, I'm just going to kind of back off of all this stuff and uh, I'll say this my opinion has not changed uh, about the offensive scheme the system whatever I, I think that my complaints about it have been proven I think it was proven Saturday night. You know, you simplify and move on, right, from there. So, I just, uh, you know, I, I that Saturday night was a great win. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to – I mean, like, look, man, 
but the play call, the, the the play call to Trey Jones was really good. You know, I thought it was there were some good calls they dialed up. Then there were some ones that you know, but and and, and then I think about this too, the, the play calling itself. I don't know that it's been that terrible. I, I think it's been, you know, what to call and win sometimes, outsmarting yourself sometimes. I think it's more the complexity of the system and what they've been trying to do. Okay. And uh, all right, this is awesome. Uh, and that's that. So Walt Deptula, who I'm not going to get into a big back and forth with this guy. I guess he said that UConn would beat South Carolina by double figures in women's basketball, and he was wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> the Gamecocks, I think, uh, Gamecock traditions or whatever, retweeted it and said, "Cue the circus music." And, and I'll say this: I, I rarely agree with Walt and uh, some of his takes. I do sometimes. But I respect him for having takes. I mean, he doesn't ever have anything that's not that he that he hasn't thought out, you know. And that's more than I can say for some of our disc jockeys up in the upstate that, that talk sports. That uh, you know, especially when they're talking about South Carolina. Yeah, maybe you guys should quit talking about the Gamecocks. That that would probably be helpful. And uh, like I said, you know, Walt is the least worst of all those guys. But it just seems like. Yeah, shoot, what did I read the other day? Clemson fans were worried about the Gamecock fans throwing stuff at them because they're talking about 2017, and that was embarrassing, and that shouldn't have happened. We all know that, but, you know, let's not pretend like Williams-Brice Stadium is, is, is like the Tennessee situation where, you know, after the whole miss game, they were throwing water bottles and golf balls. Let's just not – let's not pretend like that's the case, Okay. Um, I think there's some ugly things that happen uh, at the Clemson-South Carolina game every single time they play, no matter what stadium. So uh, and that's part of a rivalry. But anyway, so I guess, uh, you know, the guy in the upstate was wrong about the Gamecocks women's basketball team and whatever. So uh, a win for Dawn Staley again uh, against the upstate media <laughs> and those folks. So good, good win. Good win by the South Carolina women's team. I uh, am now to the second part of the iHealth Consulting mailbag. By the way, thanks for tuning in. Mitchell says, hope all is well. Looks like now that Clemson, speaking of Clemson, has offered Antonio Williams based on his recruitment timeline on his profile page. I saw that Corey Fravel of Clemson 247 put uh, high crystal ball selection in for the Tigers. Another recruiting pocket process can be strange sometimes. But if you said, as you said, JC, in previous podcasts, if Williams got a Clemson offer, it would be hard for the Gamecocks to get him. If Williams is off the list, where do you think Shane Beamer prioritizes as we move closer to the early signing period? Do you think the Gamecocks can recover from the disappointment of not getting a local playmaker nearby? I don't think so. I don't think he's automatically moves Clemson into the driver's seat for Williams. I think they could get him. Don't get me wrong. And I think that a lot of times if you're a kid and your quote-unquote dream offer comes to play and and you see the numbers their receivers have put up over the years and you can kind of look at them offensively this year and shoot, they could use an Antonio Williams. Uh, And they've won national championships and could be back in the ACC championship this year and you know, it, 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 it's kind of – it's strange because 
Uh, I think when you're talking about Gamecock recruiting, it's it, 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 in state. There's really no, I guess, shame in losing kids to Clemson. Um, I think what you have to do when you go head to head with those guys is get your share of players. Um, you know, you, 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 they get one guy, you get Jordan Birch. They get another guy, you get Zach Pickens. You know, they didn't offer Cam Smith, you get him. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's when out-of-state out schools come in, you know, and you know, like like I said, this year, the corner from Malden that's going to Clemson that was a you know, highly rated guy, I said it wouldn't be good for South Carolina if North Carolina got him because you, you already have a precedent of Clemson's national powerhouse, you know, they, you know, all this stuff. You, you have that set. What you don't want is a new precedent set. Well, okay, if I don't go to Clemson, I'm going to North Carolina if I'm a top player from the state of South Carolina. You don't want that. Um, and, and so, to me, it given the need at receiver, it, it's a, it'd be a big loss. But you'd rather him go to Clemson than take off for Auburn or Ole Miss, in my opinion. Um, and I don't know that it is a done deal for Williams. I have not flipped my crystal ball yet. Uh, as far as prioritizing goes, they they were going to have to hit the portal for receivers, whether Williams came or not. Um, so I think they'll hit that and maybe try to circle back on one of the two guys that were committed to Florida. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And with all these coaching changes, you don't know what could happen, both in the portal uh, and with, with recruits, freshmen or JUCOs or whoever, uh, kind of backing off of commitments. And uh, I think that – Winning right now, getting to a bowl, positive vibes, stuff like that really will help uh, the Gamecocks be competitive uh, when the all hell breaks loose <laughs> here in a couple of weeks on the recruiting trail. So, uh, and look, I, I think South Carolina, when you watch, there is a need for more receivers. You know, let, let's, let's just be honest. And, and I know – like I said, EJ Jenkins, I think I mentioned him earlier. He's not getting catches, but he's blocking really well. I mean, that kid, he eats them up on the perimeter. You know, Xavier Leggett's come along. Josh Fan, obviously. We don't know if he's coming back or not. But, you know, then there's a lot of younger guys that just still are kind of works in progress. So, I think, you know, and then Jalen Brooks was is continues to be out. So, I, I think that if you're Carolina – you need to go hit the portal for some dudes. And and even if it may be a guy like Jamison Williams that went from Ohio State to Alabama and making that move to save his career, he wasn't, wasn't playing a whole lot at Ohio State. And after watching the Buckeyes against Michigan State Saturday, I can see why. I mean, he's good. But those, those receivers Ohio State has, they are no joke, folks. And if it ends up being Ohio State and Georgia in the national championship game, I think it's in Indianapolis this year. That's going to be offense versus defense because Ohio State is in a zone scoring points right now. Um, so do I think the game guys can recover from the disappointment of not getting Williams if they don't? Yeah, I do. I do. You know, I I I I I think it's it sucks because Williams has been such a high priority. I mean, Antonio Williams and Oscar Dell, they've recruited the crap out of those guys, you know. I mean, hardcore. Um but if he wants to go to Clemson, what are you going to do? I mean, you, you can't can't do anything. You know, you you just can recruit him as best you can, and whatever he decides, he decides. But uh, 
he's a heck of a player, and I'm 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 not willing to just say, you know, Gamecocks aren't getting him right now. Uh, I, I think that maybe had the offer come before the season or a little earlier, I'd absolutely think that. But um, anyway, Shane Beamer did announce a welcome home today. I think that's probably – I don't know this for sure. I've not checked. checked. I think it's probably DeAndre Martin, the kid from uh, Virginia that they're flipping from Virginia Tech. And also a kicker on the radar. From Smyrna, Tennessee, Nashville, Stewart's Creek, Upton Belafonte. Or Belafont. It's not Belafonte. It's Belafont. All right. Belafonte would have been cooler. A little more pimp. But uh, 6'2 kicker visited. He's made, he, he's probably a guy. Alabama A&M, Southeast Missouri, UT Martin have offered. It's a walk-on deal for, for Upton. But that may be a kicker that they had in this class as they walk on. So keep an eye on him. Um, you know, and I haven't seen any other crystal balls for Antonio Williams. So so we'll see. I mean, there's there's so much that can happen, guys, in, in recruiting coming up with all the coaching changes that, you know, this may also be a year where we get into January and there's more juice and action on the recruiting trail than, than maybe ever before, because what, what some of these new staffs are going to do is, is they're going to come in and be like, hold off on signing, give us a shot. And a lot of guys will do that. I don't know if it's going to be guys committed to South Carolina or not. Uh, to the Gamecocks, you're hopeful to get a lot of those guys nailed down, but man, oh man. I mean, there, there could be, I mean, just even with guys leaving, well, let's just throw it out there. If Lincoln Riley, and I don't know. I have my doubts because Joe Castiglione from or Castiglione from Oklahoma is a great AD to work for, and you know you, you hear a lot of times you know coaches at Oklahoma getting other opportunities and they never leave. Bob Stoops never left basketball. I mean they they don't they don't go anywhere. It's a good situation. But Scott Woodward at LSU also really good coach and. You know, so let's say Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma for LSU. That's going to throw the Oklahoma class into chaos. You know, Gamecocks, some of those guys, Gamecocks would probably like, there are probably some that could get in the portal the Gamecocks could get from Oklahoma. You know, you just never know. Uh, and I think if you're South Carolina, because you've got a little traction right now, you, you've won, you're going to a bowl first year, people are talking about Beamer being coach of the year in the SEC – you know, you, you, you've got a chance to go make some sales pitches now. Whereas if you're four and eight limping to the finish line, you got to do this, that, and the other, you know, maybe that's not, the, maybe that's not going to happen. But, but I think, you know, getting, getting to six wins, you know, showing that, Hey, there's a good foundation here. Everybody's feeling good. The culture has paid off uh, the culture change. Uh, I think that, you know, Auburn gets up 14 nothing the other night. And everybody, everybody on my group text and everywhere else is griping and complaining, obviously, just like happens during games. And then, you know, team got up off the mat and went and played some ball and won. Okay, against Auburn, a team that's historically owned the Gamecocks. So, good, you know, a good deal. That That's culture. When you can ra- rally from, you know, that game against Missouri, which is a debacle, and you come back and, and you can win a game at home like that, that's culture. When you 
go. I don't care how what kind of disarray Florida was in. Obviously, they were in disarray. But you come off an open date and you soundly whip those guys. That that that's culture. You know, they they didn't let Florida up off the mat. They didn't let Auburn up off the mat. You know, in terms of allowing them to win the game. So that's culture, and that sells in recruiting too. So it'll be a good thing. Hudson says, "What's up, JC? No question today. Just wanted to say a great team win." And if I'm correct, you got the spread right again. I did. I picked 21-17 Auburn, but it was 21-17 Gamecocks. So I'm happy to be wrong about that, right? <laughs> but I did pick the final score. You know, I've actually done, you know, if you look at my picks this year, I've actually done a lot better than, you know, of course I missed the Florida game and I missed the Missouri game. Although I picked the spread in that one right too. <laughs> So I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't miss Missouri by much. But yeah, it's it's been kind of. I don't want to say it hadn't been a predictable year in terms of outcomes, but sort of game flow and how it's supposed to go. Uh, it's good. And I, look, I'm probably going to pick South Carolina this week. I just I feel like I may not have a chance for at least a couple of years to pick the Gamecocks again in the rivalry series because I don't. I don't think Clemson's just going to stay down for too long. I think Dabo's probably going to use this year as like a battle cry. And uh, I think they'll fix their quarterback situation one way or the other, offensive line situation one way or the other. Um, so, yeah, this may be the last time I get to pick Carolina in the rivalry game and uh, for a couple of years. Not saying forever because you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, you gotta believe for the Gamecocks. Tristan says, well, JC, you got to love this. We love the fight in this team. Best win of the year. We took it from them. We fed Zaquandre White. We are able to make critical stops on defense. Those are the biggest takeaways for me. Makes you wonder what we could have been if we'd have went away from the running back rotation earlier this year. Either way, I'm so proud of this team. It's going to make it harder to fire Satin Atkins, but we're going bowling in year one, baby. Go Cox. Yeah, I don't know about all that with the, the changes and stuff. You know, I think you could make a good argument for White uh, getting more carries. You know, there's been games he hadn't. Um, but, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's a good back, too, guys. I mean, honestly, I don't think he could do exactly what White's done. But, you know, bad things have happened to him. <laughs> you know, like he, he you know, rumble off an 11 11- – 13 yard gain, something like that. And the next thing you know, somebody misses a block and he just gets lit up. He's taking more hard shots than anybody. Um, But I still got a lot of faith in Marshawn Lloyd, both as a player and a human being and think he'll be fine. You know, I I, I was glad to see Kevin Harris get it done against Auburn uh, as well. But yeah, they condensed everything. It wasn't, a deal where they were trying to get guys balls and stuff. They were just like, Hey, this is working. So let's do it. And I think that's, that's, that's what good offenses do. They find something that works. You do it until they stop it. And Auburn never stopped it. So uh really good win, a uh, really good win. Uh, and I agree with you there. All right, Charles. Uh, talks. Okay. So there's been, some rumors floating around about Satterfield and I guess getting another job and been told to look for a job or whatever. I can't confirm that right now, Charles. Uh, who can you flip from Florida? I mentioned the two, the two receivers, then maybe Lions. And then 
you know, Justice Boone's down there. He's a freshman from Sumter. And Tyrone Hopper is a kid that Carolina almost got out of high school. Of course, that a lot of that stuff – well, Muschamp's not there anymore. Um, Coleman Huntsler, I think, is at Washington State. Those were his two recruiters. Uh, you know, so portal-wise, you know, could those two guys be guys? I think it's very speculative right now and very early uh, in terms of who can the Gamecocks flip from Florida or whoever. Um, I do know this. History shows us that there's a lot of sometimes what you call low-hanging fruit in recruiting if you're South Carolina when there are changes and massive changes at other schools. Uh, Spurrier took advantage of this a couple of times. 07, I think, all the North Carolina – both NC State and North Carolina opened, if I'm not mistaken – and that led to Wesley Saunders and Melvin Ingram and all these guys. Or maybe they'd open the next year. Anyway, they were in trouble. I think Tom O'Brien was at NC State and was in trouble. And, you know, Carolina got some guys out of North Carolina, Chris Culliver, uh, those guys. And so, I mean, DJ Swearinger was committed to Tennessee before Fulmer got fired. Now, Carolina decided they wanted him late. They were going to pass early, so <coughs> – excuse me, I'm choking on that piece of information. <laughs> but just goes to show you sometimes this is an inexact science. DJ didn't have a great 40 time or whatever um, coming out of high school. But he got there, and he's fast enough, right, DJ Swearinger? Uh, way more than fast enough. And a guy that, like, loved being a game cop, you know, loved being a part of the program and winning – uh, knows what it's all about. Certainly glad uh, if you're looking back that he wasn't a Tennessee volunteer, right? Um, but you know, yeah, these rumors. Uh, I don't, I don't completely dismiss them, but I'm not going to. I don't. I can't confirm them right now, and I'm not really going to try uh, unless we get some more news that's out there. I just, I mean, there's a certain level of appropriateness, I think, during a game week, last week of the year, and Thanksgiving, and all that when it comes to that. But I'll I'll tell you again, my opinion has not changed on the offensive coordinator um, spot. And I I think, if anything, the Auburn game sort of made me feel that way even more because you see, you know, I mean, look at it. It wasn't an offensive explosion, folks. 300 total yards, I think. But that kind of game plan and and, and that kind of thing where something's working – you just keep doing it. Don't try to get too cute. Too cute. That's that's uh, you know that that's kind of been my contention the whole year, you know. And the gap scheme run plays worked again against Auburn. So, and I and I, I've maintained too that this offensive line is better suited at that. And if you look, gosh, I think uh, maybe Gamecock Central. One of those guys had. You know, 66% gap run plays against uh, Florida. It reverted back to 50% against Missouri. Now, that wasn't working either. I mean, let's, let's not let's not go crazy here and think, well, they, they should have done this. But just the fact they went away from it and stuff, I mean, it, it kind of drives you crazy. Uh, but a lot of gap run plays against Auburn. And, and I think our guys that uh, are Carolina's guys, actually, I don't coach them. They're not mine. <laughs> The guys up front can play that game. You know, they're, they're good at hat on a hat. And hat on a hat's not a blocking scheme. It's just kind of a term you use for 
you know, mono a mono. Let's get tough. They're going to need that this weekend, man. Because I mean, this this Clemson team, you know, guys, it's ridiculously hard to block because you you may you know block their D line just fine. There comes Salski just charging up the middle. You know, this may be a, a game for old Trey Jones to to keep blocking. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're going to talk about that later. But thanks, Charles, for your email. Darian says, with Mullen being fired, I hope we come back around to some of the guys that are committed to them. Well, we did Chandler Smith, Jaden Gibson. What kind of other players in the class? You think, oh, Jamari Lyons and – all right, so Jamari Lyons was the closest one. Like, he actually came down to Carolina and Florida. J- J- Gibson was very, very interested early, and then he kind of tapered off, and it was the Gators and then everybody else kind of in a mix. I don't know if the game costs were clearly number two. With Smith, I do think the game costs were number two. Um, so, you know, if, if you can get Lions, I mean, any of these guys, I think you got to get them. You know, I think you got to get them. Uh, but, you know, it's the Florida Gators, and these guys are all Florida kids. So they're more likely to stick. And if you don't think for a minute Florida State's not trying to flip these guys either. <laughs> if you'd have told me after Florida State lost to Jacksonville State this year, that the most stale, the most stable program in Florida would be Florida State by the end of the year. I'd have probably laughed, but that just shows you don't give up on a season. Don't give up on a season. And the same thing, same thing as South Carolina, man. You know, there were times as bad as the offense looked and the struggles against teams that weren't on the Gamecocks level and all that. You, you just kind of go, well, you know, and you predict the rest of the year, like you know, they're losing out or whatever, you know, because. These other teams are better, um, but you don't you don't give up on the season. Uh, and you know, I think you, you got to credit uh, in the two wins. Yeah, credit Jason Brown. I, heck, I think Jason Brown helped them stay in the Missouri game too. So, so credit Jason Brown, man, for coming in and solidifying the quarterback position. He's got a big challenge this weekend, though. This is this is something he hasn't seen before uh, with this Clemson defense. So. Uh, yeah, so any what's the chance? I don't know. They have to get them on campus, have to see. Uh, I think they're going to try, though. But I also think you'll, you'll have competition for just about every one of those guys. People are, you know, as these other schools are changing coaches, other schools are licking their chops because most of them have pretty good recruiting classes, including Florida, no matter what the Gator fans tell you, <clears throat> right? You know, they want to they wanna improve their recruiting you know, I think you can't. You can go with Billy Napier and and all. And I don't know if Napier. I don't know what what is up with Napier in Florida. I know he's you know odds wise the top of the list or whatever. You know, Billy's a good recruiter. Uh, you know, good evaluator. They're going to have kind of the same system Alabama has. You know, all that good stuff. But I think to get to where they want their fans and and all that. You know, back to the Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier days, you know, Mario Cristobal would probably be that guy if he'd take it. And people talk about Cristobal in Miami. Uh, Miami can't outbid the Gators. <laughs> they can't outbid the Gators. So it's going to be fascinating to see who gets that job. Jonathan says, JC, our players are fighting Gamecocks. Coaching is still suspect on O. If White wanted such a great athlete and cut away from every closed hole, we would be one win away 
for bowl eligibility. Will these wins cover up all the boo-boo offensive coaching? You can't win like this in the SEC. Have a great Thanksgiving, and I give thanks for this show. Well, I give thanks for you, Jonathan. I appreciate you guys uh, each and every day. Like I said, I'm going to be kind of muted on that until after Saturday, uh, just because there's a level of inappropriateness there. Uh, that I'm going to try not to get into, uh, but I, 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 I'll agree and you know say that my opinion has not changed about what the issues were on offense or are on offense this year. And, you know, I think it's everybody's hope that on a Saturday night it doesn't rear its ugly head again, um, you know, and, and, and all that. Uh, I'll say this too about Shane Beamer, though, just as a head coach on a positive note. You know, Beamer was never below 500 this year. Now, they could finish that way if you lose to Clemson and lose the bowl six and seven, but uh, never been below 500 the whole season. I think that's a good – I think that's, that's, that says something, you know. And I think those bad wins that we all bemoaned and talked about, I think those help this team. You know, players don't look at it like fans. You know, fans are comparing scores and, you know, talking about this, that, and the other and, you know, oh, and they're, you know, fans and guys like me, we're always trying to predict the rest of the season. And I don't know why, because we all sit here and wait all summer, 353 days that there's not a game scheduled. Uh, well, now with the Gamecocks, I'm sorry, 352, because they're going to a bowl. But, uh, you know, you sit there and wait for it the whole year, and then you get there and you want to predict all th- all 12 games, you know. And I'm guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of it. It's the nature of the sport. And then everybody gets down, because then everybody gets up, and it's a roller coaster a lot of the times, unless you're having a magical season like they're having in Athens this year. Uh, you know, it's up and down. Heck, ask Alabama fans. I, I think it probably got pretty boring being an Alabama fan the last several years, but, boy, they're not. You start comparing what they do well against what Georgia does well, and you start looking ahead, woof, you know, um, I think Auburn will probably play some inspired football Saturday. And if they can move it against that defense, it could be a, it could be an upset on the plains. But uh, I'm not calling for that. I think I think Bama will win it. But, uh, you know, unless you're having a magical season like, like George is right now or like Bama did or LSU or Clemson does, you know, except for this year, it's – it uh, it's it's a roller coaster. College football is a big role, and it's worse now than it's ever been. Um, but that's fine, you know, because I think a lot of times, you know, you, you'd rather be in a situation this year where hey, you kind of got it together at the end and won some games and got to a bowl than you know. Gosh, I remember the 08 team, which I think was Spurrier's worst team. You know, they go down to Florida and they get waxed, fifty six six. Florida team won the national championship. And go to Clemson and get waxed. And, boy, that that was a game that you talk to Clemson people, I don't know that Dabo got the, would have gotten the job had the Gamecocks won that one. Uh, of course, it's 24 nothing, then 24-14, then 31-14, they won. Uh, and then Iowa in the Outback Bowl, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's the only Outback Bowl the Gamecocks have lost. They're 4-1 in the Outback Bowl. I think that if you go back to the Hall of Fame Bowl against Missouri in 79, which I've said first game I ever went to, I was three years old, two years old, uh, that bowl moved to Tampa technically. You know, Hall of Fame Bowl in Birmingham moved to Tampa. was Hall of Fame Bowl down there for a while, then Outback Bowl. So maybe I guess you could count it. But in Tampa, Carolina's 4-1. and one. 
the point about that all is, you know, 08 was a, well, for a while there, it was just a catastrophe of an ending. There were six coaching changes, and that that actually facilitated, you know, the Gamecocks landing because of changes at Tennessee and Clemson and other spots. Gamecocks landed a pretty good class in 09 with Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Stephon Gilmore and Devontae Holloman. They all were in that class. Uh, I think Swearinger was in that class too. Uh, yeah, so – they got some difference makers. They hired G.A. Mangus and Jay Graham. And, uh, uh, oh, who that was the year they hired Wolford, um, to replace John Hunt finally. And, uh, they, I guess, Chief Hunter came in. Ellis Johnson was already there, but he got Lorenzo Ward. And, and that, that was kind of the coming together of that staff that helped the Gamecocks go on their big run, both recruiting and coaching wise. So, um, yeah. So there's that. So, you know, good job by Beamer first year. And I think this helps Carolina to a certain extent position themselves to go and make some things happen this offseason that can improve the program, be that coaching or, you know, player acquisition through the portal or recruiting or whatever. Um, so good time, good timing right now for that. And that's win or lose on Saturday. You know, let's go ahead and say that. All right. Thank you. Jared says, what a game by South Carolina. First year under Shane Beamer, we're going bowling. Only downside of this is I believe it saved Satterfield's job. Don't count. Don't don't assume that. Don't get me wrong, call it a decent game, but that doesn't excuse the rest of the season. Um, yeah, yeah, don't don't I, I'm not willing to say anything on that either way right now. Uh, as far as rumblings or what I think should happen, other than it hasn't. My opinion has not changed. Uh, I know this is speculation, but I think Dan Mullen, we have a good fit for us as OC. He didn't make it as a head coach. But let's not forget he's been a very good OC in the past. Just a thought. Those guys, man, you know, like Dan Mullen and Tom Herman. Now, first of all, I think Mullen's probably going to sit back. and I think he was clamoring to get to the NFL last year. So, think if you're Dan Mullen, you know, you, you're going to get – Millions to go away. I think I think his buyout's probably a little lower, but he get millions to go away. You've got what like thirty three and nineteen record, 30, you know, something like that. There, you won at Mississippi State. Somebody's going to hire you eventually, maybe. But if you look at the criticism, you look at like the recruiting, the, the picking a part of the recruiting, and uh, and I don't, I don't like it. I'll be honest with you, man. Like, look. Yes, Kirby Smart's probably on his way to winning a national championship this year. And, yes, Kirby Smart signed top five classes. And, yes, Georgia's play – Georgia's defense this year is extremely talented. they got enough talent on offense to make things happen. But let's not forget a year ago, Mullen sitting – when he had talent, when he had Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Brian Johnson helping him dial up passing game and, you know, players <laughs> – 38 at the half against that defense. Now is a year where they didn't play a lot of defense, that kind of thing. And then they, you know, took Mama to the wire. So, you know, I don't I don't buy that Dan Mullen has not recruited well enough. I think that it frustrates fans when they look at it. And I think there's a bad narrative that gets pushed out there that like, well, if you sign top 10 guys, you know, and but you're not in the top five, you're not gonna be elite. Now look, 
Could they use those defensive players that Georgia has? Yes, absolutely. And, and has that been a direct result of Kirby Smart recruiting? Yes. You go into Mississippi, you get into Kobe Dean. You got guys in state like Trevon Walker and Nolan Smith. You develop those guys. You know, Jordan Davis, their their defensive tackle, their nose tackle was a offensive line recruit out of Charlotte, three-star guy. Okay. So that's good recruiting, you know. And I, I think it's actually probably more impressive to develop Jordan Davis into a Heisman Trophy candidate than it is that Trevon Walker and Nicobe Dean, who were two guys that you look look at on film and you fear them, you know, coming out of high school. Uh, I think the Jordan Davis thing is more impressive, don't you? And that's what Dan Mullen did at Florida. So I think the recruiting thing is a little unfair. But Gator fans look look through the scope of what are we doing? Why is Georgia doing this? Why is Georgia? Doing? I mean, that, you know, that's 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 Georgia and then whoever else, Alabama, whoever. So that's what they're, they're looking at. So, but back to the point. Although I disagree with it, Dan Mullen. Uh, it's probably fired because of recruiting. If he had the number one class in the country right now, I don't think they fired. He's probably getting fired because of recruiting uh, and then other stuff. Other stuff. But but if you're him, you know, yes, you could go get another college job probably. But I'd do what Tom Herman did and go to the NFL. Somebody will hire him as an analyst, something like that. Go to the league. You know, I think the things that are changing about college football – sort of make the Dan Mullins of the world, what is it, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not have the taste for college football. And, and like I said, he tried to go to the NFL last year. And whenever I've talked about, you're going to see more and more coaches leave for the league uh, because of the NIL and the transfer portal and all that. Dan Mullins really the guy I had in mind when I've been saying that, because behind the scenes, there was just all kinds of talk about him going to the league last year. So, you know, but uh, so will he be an OC at South Carolina? I find that highly unlikely. Love his offense. I uh, just don't think he's the type of guy that's going to come in, and, you know, work for a second year head coach and stay in the same league and, you know, have to deal with the things that you deal with in college football. Uh, I think, I think his next stop is the national football league, maybe even after taking a year off or something. You know, because I'm sure Dan Mullen's pretty stressed out. That Florida gig, it'll do it to you. You know, it'll do it to you. And every coach that's been there that's gotten fired since Spurrier left has got – well, every coach that's been there, period, since Spurrier left. And Spurrier, even. So, Spurrier came back to college football, coached at South Carolina. Zook coached at Illinois. Uh, Urban Meyer coached at Ohio State. Now he's with the Jags. Uh, Will Muschamp coached at South Carolina. Jim McElwain, Central Michigan, just his uh, Central Michigan. Yeah, I watched him the other night. Swamp Donkey. And so Dan Mullen will get another job. I mean, don't get me wrong. So uh, we'll see kind of what happens uh, with that. Um, but I do think right now, in the short term, uh, I think I think he'll probably go to the NFL and just chill. So, um, and and I, so what I disagree with you here on Jared is he didn't make it as a head coach. That, that's not. I would say he didn't make it as a head coach at Florida. But you know, as we've seen, everybody else, whether they resigned and got out or got fired, has landed on their feet somewhere. You know, and and that's just the nature of that job. And when you're on coach number six, since the end of the head ball coach era, 
that that's getting into Tennessee's stratosphere. Now, what do I think Florida? What, what does Florida need to do? I think they probably need to hire kind of like Tennessee. I think they need a guy that offense. They love offense at Florida, and and Florida had a good offense under Mullen. But I think you know you, you got to score points there. But I also think right now they're looking at recruiting and going. We we need to recruit better. I don't know that that's true. Uh, because I think a lot of a lot of the Mullen players are better than guys that are ranked ahead of them, you know. But if Florida starts landing top three classes, and you string those back to back to back to back like Georgia or Alabama's done, it, it's obviously going to improve your roster. Uh, and it would be scary, I think, for the rest of the East or the SEC to, to look at that because when, when you're talking about Florida being up talent wise, you know they're always fast and they're always athletic. They're always going to be one of the faster teams you play, no matter what. But they start getting studs like they got when Urban Meyer was there. That's a national championship level program, you know. Uh, but there's only been two coaches that have ever gotten it really going. I thought Mullen would be the next. I really did. And, boy, that downfall was pretty quick, right? <laughs> Life comes at you fast, Danny Kicks. So, that's the thing there. But anyway, thanks, Jared. Oh, and he goes on. He says, my dad and I were unable to make it to the Auburn game due to a death in the family. Hopefully we can find some tickets to go against the game against the Upstate team. Thank you for what you do for Gamecock Nation, Jared. Jared, I was actually thinking about you, man. After the game uh, on Saturday, I was like, Jared and his dad probably picked a good one to go to. So I'm, I'm real sorry to hear that. You know, prayers for you and your family uh, suffering through a loss. Uh, but I'll say this on tickets to the Clemson game. I got an email today from Gamecock ticket office. I don't know how I got on that email list, but I do. Uh, Clemson tickets are available. So uh, go on the official site, GamecocksOnline.com, and I'm sure you can purchase two uh, to the Clemson game, the Palmetto Bowl, if you will, 7.30 p.m. SEC Network Saturday night. Um, because of the win – because of Clemson's uh, vulnerability this year, it's the biggest Clemson Carolina game in a while. Because I, I don't think it's a predetermined outcome by any stretch. I do, I do agree with Clemson being a favorite. I don't know if I'd have my fourteen, probably like eight or nine. It's probably what I would think going into the game. But again, Carolina was twenty and a half point underdog to Florida and a fourteen and a half point underdog to the Auburn Tigers. So, you know, we will see. Thank you all for joining Inside the Gamecocks today. Uh, appreciate the mailbag. Appreciate iHelp Consulting sponsoring the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Appreciate Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker Kane. Uh, appreciate Heritage Digital. Uh, more to come this week, obviously. It's Clemson week. It's Thanksgiving. Probably take a little break for the holiday, but, you know, you'll have my prediction and, and my breakdown and all that ready to roll for you. Uh, I will say this, the uh, JB and Goldwater is going to be a different schedule this week. So I don't know when exactly uh, my segment will be on, um, but you know, I'm sure I will be on also going to cut a JC and Morgan college football podcast here in 26 minutes with myself, Michael Haney, Mike Morgan, uh, breaking down the uh, last week. And then this coming week uh, as we head into a holiday week, uh, around the country and around college football. Folks, I appreciate you. It's always nice talking after a win than a loss. Uh, and once again, that final score, Gamecock 73, UConn 57, and women's basketball. Uh, big win for Dawn Staley. 
in women's college basketball, anytime you beat UConn, I think it's huge. And, you know, that was a statement game here on November 22nd for the number one team uh, in the country. So we'll see how everything goes from there. I'm J.C. Sherbert. Everyone have a good afternoon, and we'll holla at you soon.